Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. And I'm just a little pupa. I'm just a pupa, just trying to grow some wings. Become a butterfly. Just struggling, struggling to grow those wings. And become a moth with a skull on uh-huh. its back. I'm getting close. Yeah. A I, moth with a with a I know. evil tramp stamp. Would that yeah, be my <laughs> that's my version? That is kind of that is kind of a tramp stamp. Hmm. Interesting. Is that a is that a socially appropriate term to use anymore? No, not no. not really. No, nope, at all. Certainly really? not. No. We, nope. uh, just uh, we just lost our just one audience meet. member. Yeah, probably yep. not. Uh, that that is an example We've of a just term offended that is, our last person that was mm-hmm. not previously offended. Yeah, well, we only had a few people left after our Pretty Woman episode. Yep, just crushing people. We really did. We really dreams and took away uh, all so of their t- hopes. So today we're continuing our Oscar winning month with Jim's selection, a film that won five, pretty much the five most major awards at the Oscars, that's right, that's The right. Silence of the Lambs. But first, as always, we ask the most pressing question of every episode. What are we drinking this episode? I am drinking bourbon. It is Eagle Rare bourbon, which is a Buffalo Trace product. If you can find it, it's... Super is that ch- the one you drove all over the place trying to find? No, that's the, that's the Stag Junior. I got to take it okay. slow on that one because that's okay. more expensive. This is only $30 a bottle, but it is absolutely delicious. And if you can find it, get it. It's a weird bourbon in that it comes in a bottle that looks like a wine bottle. Oh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm drinking a fine Chianti. Ah. She's great. lying, though. She's not. It's a Pinot Noir. I didn't have any Chianti. It's oh, a fine Pinot Noir. You, it's a Monterey County Pinot. It's so I yummy. would never have known. Uh, I thought I would never have known. I thought that was awesome. He mispronounces that, by the way, which is kind of weird. What does he say? Chianti. Chianti. Yeah, but wasn't really? that like he was? Wasn't he mocking? I felt like I he was think in to the book there I, is something about him saying that in a mocking term, in a mocking way, but it yeah. does not come through in the in the movie. No, I, I agreed. Uh, I'm drinking uh, Pseudo Sioux uh, Pale Ale by Toppling Goliath Brewing, a brewing uh, company out of Iowa. And Ooh. it's quite delicious. And Iowa. another beautiful can. Do yeah. you take into consideration the design of the can when choosing your It's beverage? pretty much only how he does I, it. Yeah, I only select my beers by look that's excellent winning. not by t- winning i'm i the the what's on the inside matters nothing to me yes. i'm s- yeah. that shallow mm-hmm. i just want i want it's all about the look of the can so you know what you like that's how you Nothing's listen wrong. you gotta do you gotta do it sometimes yeah. thank uh, god aileen does not choose that way no <laughs> yep i was i would have been kind of screwed on either <laughs> what was inside or out so. she has no standards yeah. so, so to, clear it does not really matter on either front uh all right so when we were last together uh we were actually doing our valentine's movie which Mm -hmm. was about time Mm -hmm. but we've had some exciting uh things happen since then if you've been listening to our last few episodes (laughs) you've noticed that commagers is now a officially sponsored podcast we have picked up a sponsor somehow we know every week to beg somebody to sponsor our show and we finally have somebody so i logged into our anchor account and it was like hey we would like to sponsor your podcast. You just have to record this little thing. And so I went and did it and put it on there. And so far, guys, we have made 73 cents. Yes. Um, that's 73 cents we didn't have prior to me recording that. I mean, I, I've already spent it. So I know. Um, can we do a fact check on that spot ad? I would like to call into question something that you have said. Oh, what? that I was the favorite comm major? Jim said that he's the favorite comm major. Hmm. I think. Um, it said it. the way that they they said, like, you should read this ad, and this, there's only very mm. specific parts mm-hmm. that you need to stick mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. And no. it said for the rest of it, mm-hmm. you should really be yourself. Ah, okay. yes. So, and so you wanted to bring that full conceit, that yeah. full cockiness. Yeah. 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 I was yeah. trying something. Should we run a poll? We should You're probably trying. run a poll to see who is. Working. I will lose I that. I think that's a great idea, Brian. Who is yeah. the favorite uh-huh. company? Yep. Yep. I don't think I would win, so I will immediately take myself out well, of the running. Pat no, Costello no, 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 is no, going to no, vote no. for you. Patty, Patty so will raise, you know. You are at least going to get will, one yeah. vote. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to win, though. She so will I campaign for myself. you, dude. No. I feel pretty We're confident. not doing a poll on this because Katie will obviously win. It's so not... obviously we need to prove it. 
prove it. Okay. Fine. Mm-hmm. If you really need to prove right. it. That's well, Katie, you, I can, do. you can run that. I'm going to uh, run that poll. 73 cents. Mm-hmm. 73 cents. We have made sense. Now, if, if you if, just continue to listen to us, if you're a listener, uh-huh. like, Set it up on your phone, even when you're not home. Yeah. If you have like an old iPhone, you yeah. still can play podcasts yeah. on it. That's just, true. That's what I do. If, I leave my old phone and I just put our episodes on replay. I love since it. We will get $10 if a thousand people listen that's to That's amazing. I try to listen three times every week on uh, Spotify, this iTunes. Is, this is and- not good for <laughs> anything. Your mental health is number one. I am asking your <laughs> Polish fans to really step up their game. Huge in Poland. Yeah. We are huge we are in very Poland. Big in Poland. Uh, okay. Now, going back to last week's movie, I was interested. We have been talking about About Time, and I was interested how it compared to the other Richard Curtis movies we had done mm-hmm. in terms of critic reviews, audience uh, acceptance and monetary success. Yes. So About Time had a. Um, 69% critic, mm-hmm. positive review, mm-hmm. 81% fan, mm-hmm. and only brought in 87 million. So interesting. Now his mm-hmm. his movies don't usually have huge budgets. Mm-hmm. So that the the money's not big. Now, what's interesting is that had better critic reviews than our favorite, Love Actually, which mm-hmm. was only at 64. Love Actually is a fan number is only at a 72%, which I surprising. Shocking. I'm shocked. Those are joyless but, people. Joyless. But it, but it brought in $244 million. Yeah. And finally, uh, Four Weddings and a Refutal, a 96% critic response. Wow. Uh, 74% fan. So right in line with About Love, actually. And it brought in 245 That That is shocking. That is shocking yeah. information to me. Yeah, I think so, About Time went under the radar as far as like marketing and all that. Yeah, that doesn't um, surprise me. But the fact that Four Weddings made more money than both of them oh and four weddings that... was gigantic really? yeah four weddings. Yeah. Yeah. it was like for, the it, and it came out in the indie like when indie Craze. movies were like a yeah. big thing it was people loved andy mcdowell i think if i remember <laughs> no, they I did we, not people did love andy mcdowell have you seen uh, magic, people... magic mike the woman they chose to have the moment with joe manganella andy mcdowell there's a reason for that people love andy mcdowell I... at a certain age All right. women love andy mcdowell oh yeah because she's like an every woman, you know, like she's not like a, she, she doesn't look like Cindy Crawford. That's well, how she made her. Yes, but same idea, right? Where she was like, she wasn't the, you know, Giselle Bunchen of uh, supermodeling, Pam Anderson. She yeah. was supposed to look like the girl next door, you know, curly haired girl. My goal is to make Jim watch one Andy McDowell movie a year. Huh. For the future of this podcast. I think we can definitely do that. Luckily, she hasn't been in anything recently, so. Uh, we might have to fact check magic that. Mike. Yeah. She, uh, two. Yeah, we'll see. As long as she doesn't have to talk. <laughs> magic Mike two. Was, she, was she in magic Mike too? Yes, she was. Um, That's awesome. Okay. Uh, so there we go. So uh, about time did kind of go under the radar, but it matches up in terms of reviews and things mm-hmm. like that. The other films. Uh, and yeah, let's say that's it. Oh, I, want, I wanted to hear your thoughts on parasite just quick. Oh, uh, oh, yes. Okay. Because I said I was going to watch that. I did watch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unlike some people, I don't think because it's a foreign film, it should be disqualified from winning Best Picture. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I thought it was good. It was yeah. really good. I will say this I did prefer Rick Dalton and mm-hmm. uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And I would put Little Women over it as well. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. enjoyed those two films more though i keep thinking about paris i'd have to see it again so but i mean it's it's all three were awesome so this is a pretty good year last year for the oscars because i've seen those three and all of them i think are really good films it seems fitting that we're we're dealing with another creepy movie that did really well at the oscars tonight because Mm -hmm. that's super rare i want to fact check for next week bry Uh, other movies since Silent of the Silence of the Lambs that have won that many Oscars. All right, five Oscars. Writing it down. Was it Return of the King? (laughs) He licked the tip. He licked the tip. (laughs) Most Oscars. Is it time for the rundown? Can I tell you something exciting? Go ahead. I know all of the names in this movie. Well, there's only two or three, so <laughs> I would fucking hope Get so. Get excited. <laughs> I would hope you would know that. All right. Bucky's excited about Magic Mike. I like that. I like that, Buck. 
Anderson Cooper with tonight's rundown. Clarice is just a baby caterpillar getting ready to grow some wings when she meets Hannibal Lecter, famed cannibalistic professorial serial killer. An unlikely relationship blooms as prisoned, imprisoned Lecter helps a young FBI agent work her first big case and find serial killer Wild Bill before he can finish his flesh suit. Yep. That's there it. Right. That's it. I like it. Bada bing, bada boom. You got a lot in there. Yep. The, yeah. the characters' names. Had character are names. I did question um, myself on Wild Bill because the security guard at school calls himself that, and I was it's, like, "It's not Wild Bill. It's it not right? Wild Bill. What's his name? It's not Buffalo, Buffalo Bill. Bill. God damn it. Yeah, you're way wrong. <laughs> so I know everybody in this movie. <laughs> I know everybody. <laughs> Do you even know his character his name? His name is Bill. Bill. No. Bill. No. No, it's not at all Bill, no, actually no, i don't i don't know no. james you know. gunn oh, no, yeah certainly not not to james be gun no. not um, to be confused with james gunn the director yeah. of many mm. great films yeah. no. um okay so we'll start out since this is jim's film uh with just jim a quick explanation of why uh, for oscar month you picked silence of the lambs i went back and started looking through best pictures um, <clears throat> because I didn't really have nothing really jumped out of me as, as far as like, I didn't have a, a film on in my mind as something I wanted to watch and, and that had won an Oscar. Um, so I started to look through and I thought, I thought this was an interesting one because I know Katie loves it. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't rewatched it in a long time. I think it's generally thought of as one of the greatest movies ever made. Um, yeah. And, and, and so why not? Mm-hmm. Good mm -hmm. choice. Yeah. yeah. All right. A big time Oscar winner. Yeah. I, I think at the end of last episode, when we were teasing, this was coming on, I was saying, I remember this is really the first time as a kid knowing about the Oscars. And now certainly I didn't, uh, I, I wouldn't have seen this movie. What was it? It was 89. No, it wasn't 91. I think it's 91. So 12. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, I didn't wouldn't have seen it, but I do vividly remember seeing these Oscars mm. and in this film so dominated it yep. that I, I, you know, kind of remember thinking, wow, is this normal for a film <laughs> to generate this type of complete acceptance that this is that movie hmm. for that year? And, and yep. the answer um is no obviously right. yeah it's not and it, and i think this year the buzz for the oscars was really good because as we've already said with parasite and stuff like that there are a lot of really good films this past year yeah it turns out when you you pick something that people might be upset about the uh the racists come out of the woodwork to say that it shouldn't be the winning movie <laughs> but also some... the fact that they again slighted women <laughs> Across the but, board. And yeah, people of color. Know, and people of color. But do you know what I found really interesting um, about this year is, as I, like I said, as I'm watching it, so many years I find like the Oscars are, are a lot of movies that have necessarily no interest in seeing those movies again. Mm -hmm. You know, and this was a year that will provide, a, I think, a long time of interest in the Oscars and you know the year of Silence of the Lambs it was like that too it's like this film that you know in 20 years 30 years people are still going to be gravitating towards mm -hmm. and maybe as a kid I wasn't aware that that was uncommon yeah all right let's talk about the movie yeah what, what's uh what do you like about it what's good <laughs> well I mean what, what yes what do you like so so right off the right off the bat we have to talk about uh, Anthony Hopkins because he is typically thought of as, you know, an obviously an amazing actor, but his performance of, as Hannibal Lecter, he's typically thought of as one of the greatest movie villains of all time, mm -hmm. right up there with Darth Vader. And, you know, I don't know who else would be in that category, mm -hmm. but, you know, some of the scarier, you know, Jason, Freddy, whoever... Over these incredible, like, 
and Jason's not so much an acting experience, but right. I, I was just going to say that, that, you know, in terms of, um, somebody who's not a boogie monster, you right. know, that's just a man <laughs> in no costume mm -hmm. with no magical powers. He's, he's quite small bars and, and, for most of the time, you and, know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let, let's listen to, let's listen to Clarice meeting him for the first time. So, oh my God, the, and like, oh, the whole, this, the, the visual. Yeah. So the whole preface of this is that, uh, Clarice Starling, a trainee in the FBI, not even full on agent yet, right, mm -hmm. is Ooh. brought in by one of the superiors to interview Hannibal Lecter because... Uh, he is basically giving them no information, and they believe that he can help uh, profile the Buffalo Bill, not the Wild Bill, the Buffalo Bill killer, uh, and help them find him. So Clarice goes to this uh, prison in Baltimore and is basically meeting with Lecter in the basement where he's behind like a glass enclosure, like something you would see a supervillain in a superhero movie mm -hmm. behind. And you get the the lead up to this is like the layers of security, you know, like her director tells her the prison warden who's super creepy tells her yeah. like, well, he shows her the picture. Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy rules yeah. about how you interact and how you don't interact with this man. So we're expecting yeah. somebody who looks more like the first few prisoners you see who are like yeah. screaming, clawing at the glass, doing gross well, they're all behind things. bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's oh, got glass. Bars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But we get them first. Right. And and we should say that, you know, um, to kind of, for those listening, when she turns the corner, the first thing you see is sort of this unassuming man. But right away, the way that Anthony Hopkins carries himself in this role, his posture, everything about him is unnerving from the get-go. Yes. And so let's listen to this and, and uh, you'll hear Clarice meet Dr. Lecter for the first time. Good morning. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. May I speak with you? You're one of Jack Crawford's, aren't you? I am, yes. May I see your credentials? Certainly. Closer, please. Closer. That expires in one week. You're not real FBI, are you? So... That's God. the intro Attention. to Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Attention. And, and a few things that they do with the camera here that is super interesting to me is when he's saying closer, closer, the camera's on him. And he, and then when she finally takes a step forward, he walks directly looking directly down the lens of the camera. And you think for a second, at least I did, that he's looking at her holding out her license or her credentials, you know, her, her badge. And then you realize he looks from that down. So that entire time as he walked forward, he was staring directly into her eyes. And then the camera flips and, and you see her and the credentials are sort of like ancillary to this whole interaction. And prior to that, the camera is actually behind each of them. Yeah. And so when they, when you're seeing each person, you get the back of the other person's head <laughs> And so there's an interesting like fly on the wall perspective where you can see both of them watching each other, even though you're not at a side angle. Right. right? Like there's. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Oh, well, the cinematography in this movie is awesome. Mm -hmm. It's very stylized to this movie. Shockingly, did not even get a nomination for mm. best cinematography. Mm. That was back when people still didn't know what the cinematographer did. Well, I think the Academy knew what they did. I think, think so? the Academy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The people that presented it this year still don't well, know what it is. Well, well, the people who presented are fools usually. But yeah. um, here's a question I have about this movie. Love, love, love Anthony Hopkins. He's in the movie somewhere between 16 to 18 minutes. Yeah. 
is that enough to be best actor in a film? You think? Oh, well, that's, that's one of the that's cri- there's not many critiques people have. Now, I personally am fine with him um, having one because that allowed me to be able to say that in my time at the University of Scranton, I actually interviewed an Oscar winner. Because in the category he probably should have been in, which is best supporting actor, one Mr. Jack Palance won. <laughs> and if you remember, I did get to interview Jack Palance, so I could say I interviewed an Oscar winner. So thankfully, <laughs> apparently, according to the Academy, 16 to 18 minutes of screen time is enough to qualify well, you. Well, I her. think all you need to be is the top billed actor. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what their rules are. What I would well, you, say you get is... To, you get to pick. Like Brad Pitt picked being best supporting actor this year when his screen time was com- commiserate to what Leo's was mm-hmm. in uh, Once Upon a Time. But I, I guess I'm kind of joking about that. But do you think just his aura hangs over this movie enough to justify him as a co-lead in some respects to yeah. Jodie Foster? Yes, I do. Um, you know, I think it, it, Jodie Foster gets overshadowed by him, which is maybe unfortunate, but his his character is so all consuming. Well, she and, won. And I know, and no, I I, you're right. I don't know, right? Like, I don't, I don't know what else was up that year, but to I, to me, he's a no brainer. Yeah. Like, I, I, his performance is absolutely incredible breathtaking it gives you goosebumps you know uh i think she's the she's the straight man right like yeah Yeah, but i think she needed i i think his performance is obviously the more over the top one but i think that her casting is so well conceived because it did need to be grounded in a way that she was able to pull off. I totally agree. And I don't want to take anything away from her. I'm just saying when you're comparing their performances, it's ha- it's hard to do because I think it's clear the the artistry of his performance is so clear when yeah. her acting is more subtle. It's a it's a more it, subtle, it's a subtle character. Yeah, it, it, it is. But, you know, what's interesting is it's certainly not as flashy But I think there's an argument to be made and there's a few things that impress me really about her. And what's interesting is she acts so little, you know, anymore at all. But really, she's not someone who acted a ton even after this. Her. Like ability to just convey emotions when Ted Demi decided that, you know, to keep so many of those tight wide single shots you know that they were doing above the waist almost um it's almost like a reverse pov you know right on her in particular i think of towards the end when they go to the night vision goggles and what she's conveying that's like really powerful work and even going back and looking at it i think the fact that she has veered away from acting maybe to me made that performance even that much more intriguing than if she was somebody who had gone on to do like 50 or 60 films from then and you had other characters in your mind with her. You know, it just, she really stands out in a performance that it was not a time in Hollywood where there were necessarily a lot of female characters created in this way, I think. And I wonder how much that played in giving her the Oscar nod, you know, I mean, there's very much statement being made in this film about, you know, being a woman in a man's world and those struggles and holding your own, you know, when the powers that be are, you know, confronting you. Like, I I think there's, there's very much a message there that some, sometimes I think the Academy is just looking to like, give a thumbs up to something as yeah, opposed but I, to saying like, that was the most amazing performance of the year. Right. And, but the, the, the script and the acting of how she felt in those moments, because I thought that was an undercurrent of this movie that sort of went by the wayside, which was that 
um, you know, she is constantly being un not undermined, but um discounted mm -hmm. and and kind of made to feel less than. Yeah. I mean, so and then and then on top of all of that, at the very end, she's excluded from the collar like she's excluded from when they go. They think they're going to capture Buffalo Bill mm -hmm. and they exclude her from that. 100 yeah. uh, percent. But she is the chosen one at the very beginning. Right. Like she gets selected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, right. I mean, they're just not, they're not just sending her in there for a research project like like she is chosen for yep. a purpose. Now, it, absolutely, part of that is because she's a woman, yeah. yes, but also because they think she can get information out of him that mm -hmm. somebody else wouldn't be able to get. Um, you were talking about how she conveys emotions in certain scenes, and I wanted to just tie that into that the director's choices in how we feel that emotion. So, like, Bri, you were talking about the night vision glasses, like, watching... Like watching that scene, I think that this movie and the cinematography of it, like this is where I can kind of like get behind understanding cinematography. The way the camera moves through certain spaces to me is like it it connects you immediately with the characters that are in that moment, you know, and to like you feel that. Right. So like the, the night vision scene. Oh, my God. is just like terrifying. Mm -hmm. But then even just like more more subtle moments. The scene where um, they go to the funeral home and oh, yeah. she's in the room with all of the male cops. I mean, you start sweating with her. Mm -hmm. Like, it is the most uncomfortable. It just, and the, the, it's real tight shots, right? Like, they're real close with the camera. Oh, it's just like your skin crawls. Like, you just feel, you feel all of them staring at her. Well, th another way to kind of look at this as far as the two of them being nominated and winning is that while the main plot, if you just read a synopsis of this, seems to be trying to catch Buffalo Bill. In actuality, what the way that they film this is that the relationship between her and and Lecter, to me, takes more of a forefront as far as the emotional importance in this movie. And the catching of Buffalo Bill is sort of like the side effect of that, right? And so, like, they're kind of a package deal at that point, if you look at it that way. And because I think that relationship is what people will keep coming back to over and over. They don't care about Buffalo Bill and how he got caught or who he was and what he was doing. They care about seeing these two actors, you know, share a scene together. Yeah. And that's that's why this won every Oscar, and that's why they yeah. both won. Yeah. And that's yeah, why, Brian, I think we will be revisiting this movie over and over again. The yeah. the intimacy of their relationship yeah. in a very non-traditional way. Yeah. And yeah. the respect that he has for yeah. her that no one else in the movie the does. The world is much too interesting with you right, in it. Right, Yeah. And she knew that before... He she had knew, to she tell knew her. he wasn't coming. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. She knew well, he wasn't I've, coming. You know, I at times find this film intriguing in the sense that it's one of those movies. And when you talk about like a timeless quality to a movie, you know, and part of it's the cinematography, the use of color. It it is of its time, but mm -hmm. not a sole product of it. Just that. her clothes, really. Well, no, but that's what I, but that's what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I enjoy it in terms of this is where I think production design and things yeah. sometimes get overlooked. It, you can watch it, but the way it's shot and the performances are so timeless that they don't lean too much into that. And I often wonder, you know, how you do that balance, you know, how do you make a film that is is of a timeless quality like is it is it a, like a razor thin line you know you know you're making a film in that time period so you're trying yeah. to make it relevant for an audience well i I, that time period, I don't think that's a metric beyond that i i, I just yeah. don't know how some some films are able to pull it off because i don't necessarily think it's just like a single performance because i think sometimes there are movies that have great performances that we look at but you go back and look at it and you're like, man, this is such a product of that time. I understand why people liked it then. Yeah. 
it just doesn't sit with us. That performance is great or that song is great or that cinematography is great, but there's something unbalanced about it. Like this is a film. If you told me they made this last week and it was just set in this time period, I would have bought that. Well, so I think part of it is that that word unique. Who would you compare them to outside of this film? Who are your other Hannibal Lecter's and Clarice Starling's? Um, well, the, the and to a not at all to that extent, but a movie that kind of tried to do something similar and kind of failed. I don't think it failed, but it, it's a good movie, but it's not a great movie. Is Heat, where you have Robert De Niro and and um, Al Pacino playing opposite each other. One's a bank robber one's a cop and they you know they try to have scenes where they like at least one scene in the movie where they interact so like the big bad and the big good yeah but it doesn't resonate like this not no you know what that felt like everything was built to get to that moment if we're going to talk about it whereas the interactions here are so organic well that it allows things to flow and i never read the book i don't know if any if either of you guys read Thomas yeah. but I, I do think if done correctly, adopting a book sometimes can add a, a really interesting layer to a movie. I think a lot of times it's disastrous when they do adaptations. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Jim maybe could speak to this, how much, how faithful this is to the, the novel, but I just thought their interactions, I'd be interested did they cherry pick those interactions and make that a bigger piece of this film than what it was to the novel? Because I, I, I honestly don't novel. remember. Yeah. But I think Brian, what you're saying is, is right. Like um, I think the piece that gets added by basing it off of a novel, if you have, you know, you're hoping that the folks that are making the movie have actually read the book. Um, Which is isn't that, always the case. It's I can not tell always you. the case. Absolutely. No, knowing, Knowing some people who have had their yep. books optioned. Not for always the case. They don't even read the book sometimes. Right. But if they do, you've got that time and space in a book to really flesh out characters. And so then when a director and a screenwriter really know that character, the choices they have that character make on screen are more informed, are, you know, are more well informed because they understand that character inside and out. Whereas sometimes I think screenplays take shortcuts on character development and and it shows well and it's also i mean we've talked about this before like what happens frequently and this goes back to like the shining for example when we did that as a discussion you get somebody like kubrick who's interested in the theme or an idea but isn't going to even use the book and that's what i think happens a lot of times with books that turn into films i've always been an advocate i think if you want a a true adaptation of a novel you know, the Netflix, Amazon primes, you know, that medium of storytelling is maybe more effective. Yeah. You have more time. It's going to be something wildly, um, different. I did want to talk about Brian, your point of like a timeless movie. I, I think, I don't think that's a metric that good directors and great directors think about. I think that is what happens when you, and this is all art. This, this transcends. If you try to make something timeless, you, You you're, yeah, you're, and whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's a TV show, whether it's, you can't do that. You just need to tell your story and do your thing and do it as best you can. And as truthful as you can, if you're worried about trying to be broad and attract people to it by, appeasing them in any way you're going to fail because you create something that's watered down and and doesn't resonate with anybody well and it's i think that's true and i think it's interesting and just as like a metric to compare it to think about the sequel to this movie and i don't know if i consider it even a direct sequel what, red dragon hannibal. oh hannibal dragon. hannibal yeah. you know when jody foster did not come back yeah and, and casting aside that movie, the look of that movie, just the feel of that movie does not have a timeless. And I will tell you that book is bad. And I love Julianne Moore. I mean, we've already established as an actress, she's fantastic, but I just, you know, you can fail at times 
in that way in terms of what they do. Now, what's interesting about this movie is to me from a storytelling perspective, and I think Jim, you kind of hit on it a little bit narratively here. It's kind of odd because you get this front half of this exploration of Starling and the interactions with Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill is kind of a secondary character, but like the final act for all intents and purposes, Lecter is gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, that's, interesting you know i was as i was re-watching it because i had watched this recently before when i was doing afi films i really sat and thought about it and i said i think if the performances had been not as good if the visuals like they made hit home runs on all these choices the story itself here is a very truncated version feel of a book in some in some way i felt but i was able to buy into it because everything about the movie was so well done it didn't stand out yeah i think we also have to remember that prior to this i don't think we were used to seeing as much forensic science as we are bashed over the head with now because Mm -hmm. there's 18 million bad television shows that do it um and so I think we do, we do at this point in time, we want to understand more of the investigative process probably than most people did back then. And, and so that piece of it, I think does get a little, I mean, there it's, it's pretty tenuous, the connections. Um, did you have something you wanted to say? Mm-hmm, Go. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, the book, I'm sorry, the movie is really this character study of Clarice, right? Mm -hmm. And so Hannibal serves the purpose of helping us to get inside of Clarice's mind and understand why she is the way that she is. And so the title, Silence of the Lambs, comes from this story from Clarice's past where she has experienced great loss, right? She has experienced the death of her mother. Then she experiences the death of her father, who she's very close to, is is really her only parent. Uh, I mean she grows up with dad, right? And so like that loss is felt horribly. So goes to live with Anne and uncle. Uh, there's like a hint of, you know, were you abused? Is that why you ran away? And then it's no, the story is that we were, you know, they owned a farm, they owned a ranch. And uh, I woke up to the screaming of the lambs and, you know, they were, they were killing the lambs and that's why she ran away and she never went back. Um, the innocence of that. Sorry, I was like, I was like telling the story in my mind. I was like, did she go back? She did go back. They caught her. Yeah. They caught her and they brought her back. Anyway, I don't even know what happened to her at that point. But the, the, the point of that story was that that was this changing moment for her, even though she had had her innocence lost. Right. Two parents lost. Innocence lost. Watching another innocent creature having its life taken like that cements forever that Clarice Starling is going to like be an Avenger, right? Mm-hmm. Like be, be somebody that hunts for justice that, you know, protects the innocents and Hannibal's whole thing is, you know, did, did finding Buffalo Bill, did, silence did, did it silence the lambs? Um, and I, so I, to me, that part of the storytelling is beautiful, you know? That yeah, because like, he knows the path that she's on, right? Totally. That, that like, you can yeah. never... Well, and that's the psychologist piece, right? Where, right, like, you right. Get to see, you get to see that relationship in such a different way. And he's not using his, his powers for good. He knows that, like, she's never going... The answer to that question is no. No. Because yes. there's, there's so many other bad people hmm. out there to get, right? There's... Sure. Th- Yes. Yes. So yeah, it's a rhetorical question that yeah. he ar- he already knows the answer to right. it. That, um, but he knows her motivation. Right. He knows right. that that's what's going to drive her is that she's going to keep looking for the lambs. Yeah. She's going to keep wanting to protect the lambs. And so to me, that purpose for Hannibal, it, you know, it, I mean, his acting, his role is pivotal, but really it's shining a light on her. It's shining a light on Clarice and the way that she moves through this this story. Mm-hmm. Now, we'd be remiss not to at least discuss Buffalo Bill a little bit. Played yeah. By, oh, yeah. Played by Ted Levine. Uh, we have a clip to give you, you know, as creepy as Anthony Hopkins is, 
believe it or not, there's an argument to be made that he is maybe not the creepiest character. I don't know that there's probably a debate back and forth that could be had about this. Buffalo Bill is a guy who thinks he wants to have a sex change. But as Anthony Hopkins points out in the movie, it doesn't really uh, leading to even at a young age when I finally saw this film, uh, was rather disturbed by the sequence of him dancing naked mm-hmm. uh, in the butterfly. Uh, but some of the great sound bites of this movie come from the interactions at the central for the way, I guess the plot device that ties him into this is he has kidnapped a Senator's yeah. daughter and thrown her into an, like a, what was seems to be like a revolutionary era. Well, it's where it, it's where it lives. Yeah, basically. Uh, and he's thrown her into the well. And this is just a little interaction, a little taste of Buffalo Bill here. Yeah. It rubs the lotion on its skin. It does this whenever it's told. <gasps> Mr. My family will pay cash. Whatever ransom you're asking for, they'll pay it. <laughs> it rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> yes, you will, precious. You will get the hose. <laughs> Okay. 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 Yeah. So he's just. uh, I like that syntax. Like it. It rubs the lotion whenever it is told. I I, I think he's getting genius and horrible. And where did it come from? I have so many questions, but it works so well. He just cares about proper uh, moisture. Now we do need to talk about. I think the, the the one criticism that we really hear is. You know, the fact that he dresses up like a woman and has the penis tucking scene. And there's been some criticism of the movie over that, over its portrayal of, if you want to say, transsexual people. I found that really interesting watching the movie, as you said, Brian, because it's been a long time since I saw it. And so I, I couldn't remember how this went out. But Hannibal makes a point. You know, 1991 that, of saying yeah. he is not no, a yeah, transgendered not. or a transsexual yeah. person. It's just a symptom of his lunacy. That's it. Right. It, and yeah. and so fact check. Um, I think that that is a piece of many serial killers. Right. Where there's some sort of like a, a sexual deviance well, or and, an identity. Yeah. And we're right? finding that even with, you know, things with school shootings that there's this this sexual repression uh you know this whole there there's so much to this it's a, it's very I dicey mean, to even get into talking about it but run for president well yeah well, well but so i think what's interesting is yeah you i guess you could criticize it if you thought that they were really portraying transsexual people in this way yes but the fact that you have that disclaimer from hannibal is, I, is I think huge. it's an unfortunate timing too sure, because sure because there's nobody there's, there's no, no other one, portrayal right that and, and this so, is what I said about Pulp Fiction yeah. right it's the lack of anything to contrast it to right that makes that scene in Pulp Fiction so problematic um, but you also don't have I think that disclaimer by Dr. Lecter does frame it right of like oh, I think th- I think it this is not does. yeah and again for time period. I was kind of impressed by that, that, that they included that yeah, in the film. I of think like, that's not what this is. Yeah. I would love to read, you know, if there's any, I didn't, I didn't check, obviously I, I should have um, read if there's any more recent articles, you know, for or against for this specific reason. Yeah. Um, because if for, for me, I struggle with the responsibility of art mm. to, to change characters because because th- to me, this is not a stereotype. I agree. So like that, and and that is a, this isn't like a poo on the Simpsons, a 7-Eleven owner who has a Middle Eastern accent. Yeah. Um, and so I struggle with the idea of like, that this character can't be portrayed because no one's portraying transgendered people in, in a positive right. light at you, the time. You can't put that responsibility on this film and these filmmakers that they, that yeah. they have to educate the populace. And it, again, it's so, it's so it's so it's so murky as far as like 
how you how you should feel about that. Um, but it is it's tough to it's tough to say that this character is in any way as 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 far as me and and, and I'm not you know I I don't have to look very far to see um, characters that I identified with I identify with portrayed in a good light. So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that they were trying to make any kind of statement about transsexual or you know, transgender, um, transgender folks. Oh, I, yeah, I don't yeah. think so either. Um, I agree. I mean, so it's interesting because we, we watched Mindhunter as yeah. well. And so you'll see the same theme in one of the serial killers on Mindhunter. Yep. Um, and again, to me, that's not a statement about that that's not about transsexual individuals that is about people who have a tendency towards being serial killers i think it, I, yeah and there's that there's a piece there of their there's a disconnect their, uh, yes of their identity of and there's often a like a, a sexual nature to it of where they find pleasure and so I, it's just yeah. a completely different. Well, I don't know. I think it's a completely and, different thing. Well, and I, I think that brings up a really interesting thing, which is almost like a debate for a whole other issue, which is, you know, what is the role of the artist to be an educator? Right. The artist should and, not have to educate. Do you know I mean, in, if if unless they want to. I, I, I think they, yeah, yeah. that's that should be a choice. If now if you are doing it, you know, and. Uh, this is always a big issue for me teaching history because I, I tell students, you know, the idea of using a Hollywood film yeah. for historic purposes, there needs to be a reason you're doing it with an understanding of an acceptance of what it is. Yeah. You know, for example, before break, um, we had a couple of days with my AP kids and I showed them Dr. Strangelove yeah. in relation to the hysteria of the atomic age and what was going on there. Now, that's a satirical take on something, and, and we discussed that and the use of it and what Kubrick was attempting to portray. You know, if I'm going to show a biopic on somebody, I, I tend not to do that. It's why I'm mildly anti Forrest Gump. You know, right. it's just not reality. Right. I don't think it's Ted Demi's role to need to educate. So if he was doing a documentary on transsexual, now at the same light, I think to do it as a stereotypical character where the focus is solely on the fact that he is a transsexual is something, you know, different. Yeah. You know, I mean, to me, that was a, a layer of this character, but not the, I mean, the more that, you know, a guy's making suits out of um, women's flesh. Yeah. You know, there's something that is, you know, to me, it, the fact that he is isn't even transsexual is not even on the radar. We do also have we do also have another serial killer in this movie who is not exhibiting any no, of those any characteristics. Of those, no, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is a it's a it's a dicey. It's a dicey conversation. I, and I, I, but know, I I'm glad but it happens. Though. I mean, so I think that we have we have had this conversation with other films where, yeah. where we've said so now knowing what we know now it makes it difficult to watch those movies i didn't feel that way no with Science of i the totally Lambs. agree can i can i give you an example that is like you want to talk about polar opposite movies yeah so uh jim will know this and the the pop battle guys will know this because i've been discussing this in our group chat oh, i have God been rewatching the police academy movies why did, why did you have to bring this up Katie? I, no, I was but, no, no, no but this but that. this ties into it yeah because their use of transsexuals homosexuals like the humor that is tied to that mm -hmm. is that kind of cringe worthy yeah. humor that so this can't movie find it funny anymore. really yep. steers away from. Yeah. And, yep. and I just, but, but I'm, but I think that's an example, like that there's a way that you can still watch films and the way they do it and the way it's expressed and the way that it's done. And then there are other ways that are, that we've talked about before that are more cringeworthy. And this is not one of those. And yeah. I think it's done in an, interesting way in terms of that by the way you, you brought up mine hunters another great thing if you're if you're anybody who's interested in serial killers uh on netflix don't fuck with cats oh uh, yeah i heard it's amazing 
What? Yeah, That's Alien the name of the show? Yeah, let me t- I'll tell you the present. The premise. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Brian. You do it. Well, I don't even have to, but a- I don't even spoil anything for okay. Katie. Okay. Just why, if you, if Aileen and I watched this it. Is this about the, how like, cats cannot really be no, domesticated no, 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 animals no, 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 and they no. will eat your face? I, no, no, no it's but that's not also true. <laughs> I, I, I hate cats, as we know. I'm they definitely will allergic. devour your uh, entire body. Listen, before we end this discussion, we have to talk about the best part of this movie. The fact that Chris Isaac, the amazing singer. <laughs> song he is really amazing. He's a, he, I, I, this, this, it jarred this me. It jarred movie. me. I was like, it Jim, he's an, he's oh, an actor. By in the this? way, not only, not only Chris Isaac, he was an actor in Twin Peaks Firewalk. I with me. didn't he remember that. I didn't watch. Twin also, Peaks. he also Brian Donald Faison again. Oh yeah, not the oh Frankie yeah. Faison, not Donald. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. We just, I, saw I, him. I, we, we just saw him and do the right thing. Yeah. Once once the um, basketball season's over, I'm going to try to start a, a spreadsheet with actors' appearances. <laughs> oh, like yeah, we, we uh, need to know. That's great. Uh, Who are we watching but, the most? Yes, but I would be remiss without playing an, a soundbite right, we'll of a Chris, a Chris Isaac. Isaac. So let's play a little Chris Isaac. <laughs> this will be a good you. rap. Give me some. Now, this is not in the movie. Yeah, this is the no. part where Hannibal bites the guy's face. <laughs> I don't. Why did we? He pick? was crying. Oh, there were no Chris Isaac songs in the movie. Just Chris that, Isaac that, was acting in the movie. I agree. This would not have fit the <laughs> the feel. Maybe this would have been the Buffalo Bill scene. This could have been a good like him dancing in the mirror song. I can't do that thing that that Lecter thing. The thing he does with his tongue. Now he does it. I mean, also, no, please don't try because I will never kiss that mouth again. If you are lucky enough to follow Jim on Facebook, he was asking for songs he should learn to play. I think this should be the one. And you should play it next week. I I will say Chris Isaac is is actually a very good guitar player, and he's an incredible singer. Um, Agreed. And so, yeah, that'll be tough. We didn't get to my to that song. I just want to add that I have this uh, song on my playlist, which I've entitled on my iPhone, Yacht Rock. I have a Yacht Rock. I mean, what's it called? Foolish Games Always Wins, like the sexiest video ever made. Oh, I, I don't know if I even know the video. I oh, are you serious? Oh, you don't know the video? Oh, yeah, there's so lots I, of like half-naked sand-covered uh, oh, bodies. I'm adding this. Hold on. Brian hates it because there's me, sand on the on the nakedness. Oh, sand everywhere. <laughs> hold on. Let me get my list. Hold on. Here we go. Katie, I'm doing this for you. Katie. Tongue to pencil. Oh, he's that licking tip. the tip. Uh, Katie, you need to watch the um, Wicked Game video and give us a recap yeah. of All it right. for All next right. week's show it's on Fact We'll do. I'm adding this uh, here. All right, it is time for <laughs> game of the week. First time. Did he practice? That? I don't know. He did. I might have. <laughs> All right, here we go. This week's game <laughs> of the week is Fast Four. We're ranking the most disturbing killers we've seen in a com majors Ooh. movie. Here are four choices: Buffalo Bill mm-hmm. from. Um, of course, Silence of the Lambs. I was kind of a toss-up Buffalo Bill or Hannibal, but I took him off because I feel he's so iconic. Yeah, it might yeah. have skewed the list. Uh, Jack Torrance, of uh-huh. course, from The Shining. Kevin Wendell Crumb uh-huh. of Split, uh-huh. one of our favorites. Uh-huh. Or Billy Loomis from Scream. May I go first? Yeah, go. You go, go first. All right. I am going Buffalo Bill. Then Kevin Wendell Crumb, then Jack Torrance, then Billy Loomis. Billy Loomis. You think I hate is Billy the Loomis. Creepiest. You think Billy Loomis is the creepiest? Oh no 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 least. Oh least. oh least. Oh, Sorry. Okay. So you want reverse Sorry. order? Yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah. So Buffalo Bill most creepy. Uh, that, now let's see. This is interesting. I feel like you should have put Hannibal onto the list. Well, he I would be the most like, creepy. Yeah, Hannibal yeah, yeah, would have been. I thought he would have been number one. Yeah. I didn't think there would be a game to yeah. it. It would just automatically yeah. be yeah. that. Uh, Jim, what do you think? Yeah, I kind of agree. I think maybe what I don't know. I'm coming back on split. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think the, the crawling on the walls. <laughs> oh, see, I was gonna drop him below. I think number so going think about that scene. Think about the scene. Number four, I'm going Billy Loomis. Yes. Because I I feel like I might be able to overpower him. Um, <laughs> I I can. <could>, <laughs> I know that you, is, you that could, is true. You could can break Skeet Ulrich in half like a stick. He's a little can boy. He's a little boy. 
the scene that might have disturbed me the most of any scene we've ever watched on this show is him sleeping with her okay. and then basically 100%. 100%. Oh, no, not, so not if we take that in most that disturbing perfect. person, most disturbing no, boyfriend. He's not, even, he's not even in there. I don't know. But oh, he's not trying. Is that even in there? Yeah, maybe. No, he's disturbing. He is disturbing. But I what about like Amanda? It, it, I stop? <laughs> Scout's tearing up your papers. Are these important papers? No. Are those your business papers? Yeah, it is for work. They are for work. <laughs> The dog is destroying Jim's office. Wait, wait, is, she is really wants. Tape, she's trying to get Captain Marvel over okay. here. She as can't long have as the Captain Marvel tape's okay, it's I right. go Billy Loomis, and then see, I put I put Jack Torrance ahead of Kevin Wendell Crumb. Because if you get Kevin Wendell Crumb on a good day, you talk to that little boy, you can That's reason with no, him. No, but it's the, uh, it's the, the you don't know. Are you talking about you the beast? You don't know who you're going to get. Well, I don't want the woman. I, I put the woman personality of Kevin Wendell Crumb maybe creepier than the beast. I, they're all creepy, Jim. No, no, I, the little boy or the oh, yeah, or the fine. gay fashion designer. Yeah, they're fine. They're yeah. fine. No, you're right. They were good. But Jack Torrance also has moments where he's fine. No, he's when? he's like possessed by the, the evil, uh, the condensed <laughs> evil of one I hotel. Mean, he talks he to his child. He's not trying to kill that his is kid. The cre- <laughs> that might be the creepiest scene we've done. You need to reevaluate your marriage if you thought at any point. He was an okay spouse. Oh, no, I didn't say that. Oh, I didn't say that. I might even put him beyond Buffalo Bill. We said most disturbing killer. Like, I don't okay. I don't think Jack Torrance is, like, going out into town and be like, how many people can I kill? Yeah, that's true. But, okay, so whatever. Yeah. What do you say, Bri? I think the most disturbing uh, character in a film was Sybil Shepard, and chances are... <laughs> <laughs> that she that she was that that obsessed with her dead husband. Oh my god! No, uh, I would probably go eh, probably Buffalo Bill one, Jack Torrance two, then uh, James McAvoy three, and Billy Loomis. Okay, four. But it's a tough, you know, it's yeah. a tough. The dog is tearing the office apart. Let's go to it. five questions. Five questions. Here you we want go. Answers. You want answers? answers? I want the truth. What makes a man, Mr. Lebowski? What the fuck is the internet? Watch. Why? All right. Uh, this week for five questions, Jim will be answering because it's his movie. All right, here we go. Uh, question one, thumbs up or thumbs down lamb for dinner? I'm thumbs down on lamb. Oh, I, uh, wow. I'd i rather have pretty much anything. My parents oh, always I... served it with mint jelly. Yeah, that's well, like a famous need, like. Need, yeah, you don't need the mint jelly. That's like I a famous thing. Lamb. I'm not a lamb person. I'd rather have steak. I'd rather have chicken. I'd rather have fish. I'd rather have pork. I'd rather have seafood, lobster. Mm. I make lamb. Yeah. I'd rather have pretty much any other protein. Uh, I love lamb. lamb. Uh, uh, Craig Goldberg was nice enough to give me some delicious lamb chops from his meat share uh, recently. He shares meat. Don't ask. (laughs) Organic meat share. It was... Absolutely His meats fantastic. are organic. His meats are <laughs> plenty. They were fantastic. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, was it a shank? Did he give you a shank or a chop? It was not a shank. It was a chop, <laughs> and they were delicious. Uh, Jim, better FBI criminal profiler in a film or television show? Uh, Clarice Starling or Fox Mulder of the X-Files? Mm. Considering that Fox rarely concerned himself with criminals, I'm going to go with Clarice Starling. Mm. Oh, I, I enjoy their He's names. not a profiler. I enjoy their names. He was, that was how he got his job. Nah, we don't so see bad. that, though. I, I disagree. Uh, all right. Clear starting. Uh, all right. Here we go. Fill in the blank question. Question three. A film I find more disturbing than Silence of the Lambs. You know my answer to this. <laughs> Chances fucking are. <laughs> um, oh, it's so um, good. You are so. We are going to watch I, I it once a year, uh, Brian. I'm going to make him watch it every. That chances are <laughs> the the mental illness that is taking place in that film without <laughs> any indication that anybody is getting any help. I really or, there's a problem or at killing all. folks no, on the weekend Sybil to leave that is seeing a therapist. Yeah, she, she was. Remember, she was yeah. making progress. Yeah. She was. That was like progress. borderline a grief. That was just a grief counselor. That I that, am so torn. I so want to record an audio commentary for a movie. The three of us. <laughs> 
and I, I cannot come down to whether it should be chances are or it should be. I think we need to invite Tim and Keenan to that. So chances are viewing because I don't think they've seen it. I think it should be chances are. I think that will be more entertaining and that the notebook will be more scathing. And yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. People crane where I, like, I think we can enjoy chances are. I can't enjoy the notebook anymore. <laughs> How can you not enjoy chances are? All right. uh, it's very enjoyable. It's very enjoyable. In this country who does not enjoy I don't it. Understand it. It's Jim DeSanto. Nope. Uh, all right. Here's a question for a favorite question. Jim, what's your favorite type of uh, buffalo wing? What type? Do you like boneless? Do you like uh, honey buffalo? You know, honey. I, I like just the like? standard um, leg, not the wing. Okay. In yeah. like a mild buffalo, not like crazy oh, yeah. hot, not not. You just a told little. a funny story about wings. That I enjoyed. I enjoyed your story about wings. You had a wing at, story. At, yeah, at Delaney's. That was a funny story. Oh, oh, the, yeah, we're not. It's not going to make anybody <laughs> it's else. It's not going to make anyone else laugh. Right. It made you laugh. It was about a free weird. happy hour where you yeah. weren't allowed to ask for a ranch dip or blue. Yeah, cheese they you, they did like a thing where you you had as many wings as you want. But you couldn't but have ranch or blue cheese. You can't what? have any, you know, no cooling on. It was no Katie's uncle's items. restaurant. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> that is. There's no cooling sacrament. of the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Let me be clear. I am a supporter of bone-in wings. Yeah, yeah, me too. To boneless yeah. wing. Yeah. I, I mean, boneless the- wings are fucking chicken nuggets. Well, um, they are. When I was growing <laughs> up, slash in my teenage years, we would go for wing night at the local airport. Was that where you would drink with your teachers? No, that was a different place. This airport was strictly for crop dusting. I was going to say, what airport? No, they were flying planes, like with people on them. It was in Reading, and they had a great wing night. Molly T. Dwyer, Kelly Ryan, back me up. Wing night, Reading Airport. Yeah. Love it. Uh, That's also local to them, which is like how many hours? Oh, yeah, we would drive like. 40 minutes for wings. <laughs> Brian, that's like you could locally come down here to get wings. <laughs> I'm going to be locally. I'm coming down to uh, Appetites on Maine. For oh, we grew up in civilization. Oh, we're better they, than Katie. This, this is a great question for Tim of Pop Battle. Do they have a wing night at Appetites on Maine? I don't know. Oh, we need to get out to, to Tim's know. restaurant. Yeah, We have to get a live out episode at Appetites on Maine. All right. I'm sure their um, manager will love it. Honestly, the, where I really got it, I was never really a big Wings fan. Can you guess where I got into Wings? Scranton. Uh, Scranton. No. After. Mania. Uh, where specifically? Green, uh, the, the Bayou. The Bayou. They did oh, a, yeah, the, Bayou. They did a good Happy wings. hour, free wings. They, they were very yeah, buttery. Wings. They were Anything very buttery. buttery. Yeah. yeah, yeah they, they were good. Yeah. Buttery wings. They were good. Uh, all right, finally, deep thoughts of the fingers. If you could have 30 minutes to sit down and talk to a serial killer one-on-one, would you want to do that? Absolutely not. You get into your head. I don't. your head. No, 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 no. Like, what do I have to gain from that conversation? Not a. There are other people way more um, well-equipped to study these Mm -hmm. folks and help to catch future serial killers. Other than that, no one else should ever fucking talk to these people ever again. Agreed. I would go and have a discussion about chances are with them because mm-hmm. I'm sure they'd probably have seen it as well. Mm-hmm. And it might it's lead loosely to- based on their lives. <laughs> loosely based on mm-hmm. their lives. Um, all right. And that is five questions. Mm-hmm. All right. Next week, we'll be rounding out Oscar month with Katie Such. Mm. And Katie, why don't you share with us what your Oscar film nomination is? We are going to watch Black Klansman with Denzel Washington's delicious son, whose name I don't know. All right. John David Washington or David John Shocking. Washington. I am shocked yeah. that you don't. He, he's on Ballers. He is and on Ballers. And he's, he's also delicious on there. He is in, in Tenant, which is going to be. chocolate. Tenant is going to be awesome. He's in yeah. that. Yeah, he looks Cannot great in that wait. too. I'll watch him in all of the things. Mm-hmm. I'll watch him on commercials. <laughs> commercials? Okay. I would watch him in a recasting of The Notebook. That might be interesting. Yeah. I'm, in, I'm into it. Who would his scrawny friend that gets killed? Oh. Lakeith Stanfield. Boom. Oh, you <laughs> answered it before you. I know. I, I was I thinking. Was asked. We might need to update that because I'm not sure the African American experience in the Deep South during the time period of the. Oh, yeah, we got to put it someplace else. Yeah, and they need to be in Africa. He needs, he needs to die in Afghanistan. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, God. Oh. 
Lord. We're gonna sh- uh, and that, uh, that, that's, that, that's a totally different movie. And <laughs> that, that war scene would be shot in a sandbox at a local playground. <laughs> yeah. to, to well, that's where the snow better. scene was shot. Yeah, where the snow oh scene God. was shot. Uh, make sure you like, share, subscribe. Uh, continuously play our show. This, we are at 73 cents. My goal by next week is... Let me check. It might have changed. Hold on, hold on. Maybe we'll make a dollar. This episode was a long time coming. I feel like we we sold it. Like the, we? we Yes. I mean... It was weeks. And it was we worth co- it. Uh, we're this only seven... says 53 cents. No, no, no. That's just what you we can... spent 20 cents? No, we can only withdraw 83 cents right now. only 53 cents, I know, Brian? but if you see here, we've... Oh, maybe we got taxed on that seventy-three cents. I don't We're know. We're not going to have to file Says there a was tax a twenty cent. There's a twenty second, no. twenty cent deduction. They listened to one of our episodes and they started. No, I think maybe this it. doesn't get this doesn't get updated from here until. Oh, like shut it once down, a week. Shut Regardless, it down. Shut keep, it down. keep watching. Um, yeah, and that's it. That's that's all we have for you. Make sure you join us again next week when we talk Black Black Clansmen. Bye, everybody. Bye, we love you. Bye.